One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. I have three kids, Tony is 10, and Libby and Nate are 7. And I have two kids, Jay is five and Kenny is two. They're pretty stinking adorable, aren't they? They are. (laughs) Really cute. So we like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too, and we just like to get this stuff out of the way early so you don't have to hear about it all throughout the podcast. Deborah, have your kids been up to anything particularly adorable lately? Well, Libby talked us into getting her rollerblades. Classic. Yes, and we just got them for her. Didn't tie it to any reward system at all. And she has been loving it. She loves to go rollerblading. And I think it's all because Jeremy, like, he was running. Then he got a little bit of an injury. So he's been rollerblading. And he actually likes rollerblading a lot more than running. So that should just be his cardio. Uh-huh. And after Libby got all her stuff, because she's got like elbow pads, wrist pads, knee pads, she makes Jeremy wear his helmet now when he rollerblades because she's all about safety. (laughs) That's too cute. Yeah, I love a safety police child. Do you feel like rollerblades are unique to people in our age group? I feel like people just a little bit older weren't around for the initial rollerblades blade craze in the early 90s mm-hmm. and people just a little bit younger like they definitely faded out yeah it's definitely a gen x slash elder millennial thing but I yeah. love that you can still buy them you didn't have to like get them on ebay or anything no they're brand new okay they're brand new. <laughs> <laughs> how about your kids have you witnessed anything cute well Kenny two years old really expressing his opinion a lot about a lot of things. Uh, I'm sure I've talked about how we listen to film scores a lot in the car. Mm -hmm. Jay particularly likes listening to a Pandora station because yes, I am an elder millennial. I still use Pandora and not Spotify. This Pandora station that is Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. And at some point I had thumbs up a song from the Trolls movie. I think it was probably the cover of Cindy Lauper's True Colors because I enjoy that song. It's so good. And now the Trolls music comes up fairly frequently and Jay has decided that he hates it. So whenever <laughs> it comes on, he forces me to skip it. I never get to have my heart sing to that Cindy Lauper song anymore. So that's bad enough. But now when it's just me and Kenny in the car, Kenny has absorbed Jay's dislike of the Trolls music. And so he forces me to skip it, too, with his like limited vocabulary. And it makes me so sad because he's definitely past the point now where I can be in control of what we're listening to in the car. Oh, man. 
an opinionated two-year-old who's overly influenced by an older sibling is really frustrating. I it remember sounds like that. you have some some experience with that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that a lot. Mostly with like foods. Kenny has also started saying "you" when you present him with something that he <laughs> thinks he's not supposed to like. Like he doesn't even smell it or really even look at it. You just like wave it in his general direction. And he's like, "Yo." <laughs> So this week for Screen Time in the News, we read uh, an August 12th New York Times article by Alexis Soloski called Remote Control, Making Television Mid-Pandemic. So it's about a few shows that have been made for a surprising variety of networks, HBO, NBC, Freeform, and Netflix, that have been taping limited series around really strict COVID limitations. And that includes actors being filmed in their own homes, wearing their own clothes, serving as their own crew, directors attempting to direct via Zoom. And it just goes into the somewhat complicated process. I mean, mostly it just seemed a little fluffy about like how much actors were liking getting their hands dirty, which mm-hmm. fine, guys. The interesting question I thought towards the end of the article was what audiences will think of these shows and if anyone will actually be interested in watching shows about the pandemic while we're still going through it. What did you think about this article? I really want to watch like all of these shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah. One of them, I think it's the Freeform One, Love in the Time of Corona, stars Leslie Odom Jr. I don't care so much about the premise of all of these, but it's the article pointed out it's going to be like this time capsule mm-hmm. sort of, because even now it's, I don't know, something like August <laughs> and film crews are starting to go back to a revised way of working but this is going to be really a time capsule of quarantine filmmaking which may never happen again oh fingers crossed yeah so I'm here for it I thought this article is really interesting I didn't know like shows were being made during the the quarantine Um, and I loved the details like some of the hair and makeup professionals would put together like a video tutorial so then the actor could attempt (laughs) a professional makeup job on themselves (laughs) but ultimately they're all just being filmed with iPhones anyway so it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) have you watched any of the specials that various shows have done like the reunion special that Parks and Rec did or that 30 Rock did or I just watched one last week that a favorite old show of mine Happy Endings did where they um, essentially try to do a show over Zoom no we watched the SNL Zooms right what did you think of those surprisingly entertaining okay you are so much more generous of spirit than I am because watching those the person wreck 30 rock and happy endings really makes me worry (laughs) for the quality of these original shows these new original shows that we're reading about because I was so I hated the 30 rock one so hard that I couldn't even watch the whole thing and I loved 30 rock well I'm gonna sample these um especially just the HBO one titled coastal elites because that sounds like a show I would like anyway because you're a fan of coastal based on the title (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Well, you know, I'm going to watch the uh, Love in the Time of, I almost said cholera, Love in the Time of Corona, at least to see Leslie Odom Jr. because I think he has hair right now. Yeah. And his wife plays his wife. Which I also find found weird to read. He was like, well, we weren't really interested in playing make-believe that we weren't married when that section of the article came up, I was like, are you an actor? Isn't that your job? <laughs> yeah. But yes, reserving judgment. I'll at least check that one out. So do you have any follow-up from our last episode with Shannon or any general screen time news? Really can't think of any off the top of my head. How about you? We watched Willy Wonka as a family and my kids really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it until the end, which is kind of a creepy ending. Willy Wonka is just creepy. Yeah. Did you watch, have you watched, not with your kids probably, the uh, Tim Burton remake? No, but Nate really wants to, he knows it exists. Mm -hmm. He really wants to see it. I know we have very different opinions on Tim Burton, so it is not going to shock you that I hated the remake, but I'd be really interested to hear your comparison between the two. Yeah, I have to take a look at, I don't know, what's that? Common Sense Media, maybe I'll see if they will tell me if it's too scary for my kids. Well, they definitely lean into the creepiness of Willy Wonka, which is what made me think of it. Like, Johnny Depp's yeah. Willy Wonka is about a thousand times creepier than Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Of course it does. Are we ready to talk today's topic? Let's just jump right in. Muppets Now premiered July 31st on Disney+. Plus. New episodes are being released weekly, and the first season is going to consist of six episodes. The show is produced by Muppets Studio and Soapbox Films, and according to Disney+, Plus, it's the Muppets' first unscripted show. And it's the latest in Disney's attempts to revitalize the Muppets after 2015's short-lived ABC series, The Muppets. Katie, you read a New York Times article from July 23rd titled, It's Time to Re-Re-Re-Meet the Muppets, claiming that the show aims to bring the Muppets back to their anarchic sketch comedy roots. Scooter, he's a Muppet, he tries to hold everything together as the Muppets attempt to transition their show to the streaming world. Did you pick it because of that article? I did. I saw because I had no idea this was coming. I guess I don't usually have my ear to the ground for Muppet stuff. It's a little bit mm -hmm. of a cultural blind spot for me. Yeah, I read most of that article and it made me curious. Yeah. So we watched, um, I mean, it's brand new. So we watched the first three episodes, Due Date, Fever to Pitch, and Getting Testy. Would you like to start us off by a one-sentence summary of Due Date? Okay, so as Deborah said, Scooter is frantically trying to upload all these different segments of the Muppets Now show that include one called Lifestyle with Miss Piggy, Muppet Masters, where, gosh, what is the name of that new Muppet from the Jason Segel? Walter? I think it's Walter. Where Walter interviews Kermit about photobombing. Okie dokie cooking with the Swedish chef and Mup Close and Personal, an interview between Kermit the Frog and RuPaul. The original Muppet Show was a variety show, right? Mm hmm. So this is just that, but with the framing device that they're putting it on streaming? Yeah, I think so. So the light. Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, well, and Scooter is like just finishing the show at the beginning of every show. And like somebody calls him and is like, wait, 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 wait. Let me add this. It just shows like what a hard job being a producer is. Yeah. No one appreciates poor Scooter, which I guess is one of my favorite bits about the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Miss Piggy on her show interacts with a Muppet called. He kind of looks like he's from Fraggle Rock. Uncle Deadly is his name. Where the heck did Uncle (laughs) Deadly come from? So it's like Uncle Deadly is Piggy's assistant on the show where she's trying to establish herself as an influencer, which is a kind of funny concept. And she does interact with some celebrities, primarily Tay Diggs and Linda Cardellini. So that was cute. Like, Miss Piggy is always the striver trying to prove that she is as awesome as she says she is. The photobombing skit was, I think, a little bit less successful, mostly because I have, like, zero emotional connection to Walter. I think I saw that movie where he was introduced, but he is not, Mm -hmm. like, a... Muppet that holds any place in my heart. The Okie Dokie Cookin' segment is a lot of Swedish Chef, and a little bit of the Swedish Chef goes a long way, I think, in my humble yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. The RuPaul interview was interesting. I the running gag was that people kept inter interrupting the interview to ask their own questions so you didn't really get to hear much from RuPaul I guess yeah he I thought did a really nice job of dignifying Miss Piggy because Miss Piggy is often like the butt of everybody's jokes that's true and he elevated her I thought oh that's so sweet (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I guess I I liked that segment a lot was it your favorite of the Four. There were just four, right? I think there were just I four. I liked the photo bummer skit. I thought that was really funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what was the weird pronunciation of photobombing that they used? Kermit was like, oh, you think I'm a photographer. I'm a photobomber. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that I do remember from early Muppets is they, they always love the punny wordplay. And this does not disappoint on that front, I don't think. Yeah, that I thought was, I don't know, for me, that hit the spot for me. I thought that was really funny. Did you notice that when Scooter is like video chatting with everyone to upload their segments, the name of the Zoom equivalent is the Rainbow Connector? (laughs) That's cute. I didn't notice that. I like that too. I sing that song to my kids at night all the time. Oh. Any other thoughts on the pilot episode? No, I'll try my best to summarize like four skits in one sentence. Oh, I just named them, and then I assumed that I could go on to using more sentences. I apologize. (laughs) No, no, it's just a a challenge I'm going to not succeed at. So there was a game (laughs) show with a contestant that the host kept calling Cartoon. And in the end, he reveals that his name is Artoon. There's more cooking with a Swedish chef. I can sense the uh, exhaustion in your voice. Go on. There was a field test with Bunsen and Beaker, and they did a little experiment called Will It Melt or Will It Burn? And there was another lifestyle segment with Miss Piggy, wherein she does hot yoga with Tay Diggs. Okay, some things just are not made for updating. And like, I feel like some of the 
Muppets shtick doesn't work in the year 2020. Like, you can't make fun of a name like Artoon. Yeah, do you think they were using the fact that, is it Pepe the Shrimp? Mm -hmm. That he also has an accent as, like, cover? I don't know. You can't make fun of accents. That's fair. And, like, the Swedish chef, it's, like, an ableist concept that they're making fun of him because like they're making fun of him because like one he doesn't speak the language but two he also seems like sort of cognitively deficient and they're like not at all I don't know it's just not funny it's not funny Katie I agree that you know we watched three episodes and there were three Swedish chef segments and I could have stood to have maybe one. Like, the gag was not funny more than once. And they seem to think, because that, along with the lifestyle with Miss Piggy, are the only ones that show up in all three episodes. So they seem to think that's one of their cornerstone segments. And, oh, I just don't get it. No, it wasn't funny at all. And it was even worse because the chicken that hosts the cooking segment. Uh, She's a turkey. Oh, sorry. The turkey... (laughs) had a real rapport with the guest chef that they would have on in each segment I would have just watched that and I would have thought that was charming Mm -hmm. cut out the Swedish chef and like just cooking with like a turkey Muppet host is funny who like gets a little giggly with the male guest chefs yeah yeah okay maybe I'm getting too much into my general thoughts oh sorry you want to Tell me about the segments from uh, episode three getting testy. If I can remember them. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the framing device for this episode was that they were doing user testing. So that gave us an excuse to see Statler and Waldorf, who, of course, were the users that were being tested. So we saw Mm. a lifestyle segment with Miss Piggy again. We saw another test lab with Bunsen and Beaker. That was the pizza velocity test. Yes. And we saw, of course, the Swedish chef and I think another game show and those were the four Mm -hmm. segments for this one really I feel like all the same thoughts apply I'm trying to think if there was anything that stuck out oh the guy in the pizza velocity experiment he was like some sort of famous guy right I didn't recognize him the pizza delivery guy yeah because he kept like having really knowledgeable things to say about science (laughs) so I assumed it, it must be made we must be meant to know who this person is. And then I didn't, which made me feel like a dum-dum. But thank you for being a dum-dum with me. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I forget what Piggy was talking about in her lifestyle segment, but I did love the running gag that she's trying to be an influencer and she wants her show to be called Lifestyle with Miss Piggy. But due to like an error in the font it's just lifestyle and she keeps trying to get them to add that le at the end and they keep just totally botching it poor miss piggy (laughs) i guess that probably does pluck at your heartstrings about miss piggy doesn't it yeah i feel like miss piggy she's just they just make fun of her and it just feels so misogynistic because the whole thing is that she wants to be beautiful and they make fun of her because she's a pig and she's not classically beautiful but she's a very attractive put together muppet yeah she's told she could totally legitimately be an influencer and i feel like they've been trying to low-key encourage miss piggy's self-confidence as being a valued trait 
Mm-hmm. Like the more modern Muppet products we get. Right. But you're right. It's a fine line that is not always successfully walked. We watched Forky Ask the Question and reviewed it on Disney Plus as well. Mm-hmm. And those were really short, beautifully put together segments meant to be watched, you know, in little snippets or maybe all at once in a binge. Why did they choose to structure this as four discrete segments within a traditional 30-minute programming block? Like, why on earth didn't they just release it as it would be on YouTube or whatever, if that was the the framing device they were going for? That's a good question, because it's for a streaming service. They don't have the confines of that 23-minute-plus commercials, 30-minute block of time. I don't know. I mean, unless they just really wanted a way to be able to wedge Scooter in there and get some like Statler and Waldorf jokes without having to give them a whole segment, which I guess that's legit. But like, then why are you using these, to me, little known Muppets so much? Like, why are you giving a whole segment to Pepe the Shrimp and, ugh, the sweetest chef? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think... I like the concept. I'm not sure that the execution was completely successful. Did you watch the other, like, reboots of the Muppets? Like the Jason Segel movie? Like I said, bit of a cultural blind spot for me. I have seen the Jason Segel movie. And Mm -hmm. as a kid, I watched the old Muppet Babies. And I definitely Mm -hmm. saw, like, the big three Muppet movies growing up, like Muppet Movie, Mu- Muppets Take Manhattan, and The Great Muppet Caper, I think those mm-hmm. were the three. But that was pretty much it. So we never watched the variety show growing up or anything like that. How about you? I definitely have fond memories of the variety show. Very fond memories. And I watched, I know I at least watched Muppets Take Manhattan. I haven't watched the Jason Siegel movie, but I want to now. Say there was no historical. Say this was just like a new thing. Was it funny? Or was it only funny because you know these characters and you have like a relationship with the characters and have expectations for how they're going to perform or behave? That's a really interesting question. I was about to say some segments were, yes, funny on the face. But then thinking back to that Miss Piggy, those Miss Piggy segments, so much of the humor relies on the fact that we know the history of Miss Piggy. We know what we're supposed to find funny about her. So I guess it could still go either way. You know, I watched these with the kids and they were both cackling the whole way through and they don't have like Muppets grounding at all. Oh, really? No, we don't watch the new Muppet babies with them or anything like that. So... They thought it was hilarious, which I guess points to, yes, I guess it was funny on its face. I mean, obviously, it's trying to play on those two levels. It's trying to be extra funny to the people who have all that Muppets nostalgia, but then also funny to people who are coming to it freshly, which I I guess works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, like, I really, really hated parts of it, but I really thought other parts were very good. So... It was 
you know, an emotional roller coaster for me. A lot of ups and downs. For sure. Watching Muppets now. Um, <laughs> what did you think about the cast and the characters? Obviously, it's not the same voices as their, the voice actors, puppeteers, as the originals. <laughs> did you think that Kermit's voice was weird? <laughs> I did. And did it? I don't remember what I first read it in that like people were thinking Kermit's voice is weird. It may have been that New York Times article, but the original Kermit was Jim Henson. And then someone took over from Jim Henson and did like the Kermit voice that was in like the Muppets Christmas Carol and all the newer Muppets stuff. But this is a third person and Mm -hmm. it was pointed out to me in something I read that this voice is very distinct from those two earlier iterations. And I could, I could not stop thinking about it every time Kermit was on, but you know, it didn't seem like they used Kermit a lot and maybe that was why. You know, I read your show notes before I watched it. And I think if I hadn't had that in my head, I don't know that I would have noticed it. Really? So maybe that was my, maybe that was. So maybe because you read it, you were more hypercritical of it than you would have been. That's a good point. But then I didn't think Fozzie Bear sounded the same. Gonzo didn't sound like Gonzo to me. Um, This is not a voice thing, but did the chef, the Swedish chef, did he always have human hands? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I found that to be weird, too. Like, they were also trying to do that gag from Whose Line Is It Anyway, where, like, the person's behind the other person and they can't see what they're picking up. Nothing worked to me about that Swedish chef segment. So the length and the structure, we kind of already talked about this. They're trying to mimic... YouTube shorts, but they've put it all together as one long thing. Successful, unsuccessful. I guess it depends how you use YouTube. Mm-hmm. I I think, again, that they're really just trying to repurpose this variety show format in a way that people find palatable. But at least in my experience with YouTube, I don't go wide Like, I fall down YouTube rabbit holes, but it's pretty much just, like, more and more of the same thing. Like, I Mm. will watch a cat eye tutorial, and then I will watch another cat eye tutorial, and then I will watch a cat eye tutorial given by an actual cat. Like, I'm going more and more specific. Sure. I don't cast my net quite that wide. And in that sense, I wonder, I mean, the framing device just seems transparent right like they're trying not to mix not to mess with their own formula not to mess with their old formula but just give it to us in a way that feels fresh mm-hmm. and we've yeah. watched and reviewed variety shows or what are essentially variety shows on this show before like I'm thinking of kids say the darndest things or um, the a little help with Carol Burnett mm-hmm And those weren't entirely successful. I just think it remains true that as a culture, we've kind of moved away from the variety show. Yeah, it's a tough format to be consistently good the whole way through. I think that was true in the past, too. Yeah, but we just had less options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you able to to compare Muppets Now to any grown-up movies or shows? 
Did you watch that, oh, we're all dirty puppets movie that came out a while ago with Melissa McCarthy? It was like a cop movie. I will admit that I didn't watch it either, but that was like the closest to like puppets made for grownups that I could think of. Okay. No, I haven't seen that. I thought of Unreal because just the scooter bit, like Mm -hmm. it's sort of like the show about what goes on behind the show. If only Scooter were as successful at manipulating the people behind the scenes as Rachel from Unreal is. Yeah, Scooter is, he's probably like really good with the technology, but his like people handling skills could use a little work. I also had the same feeling watching this show that I have whenever I watch Saturday Night Live. Even before the pandemic, we would mostly be home on Saturday nights. And we'd always look up to see if SNL was new. It's always somebody you want to see. and Or the musical guest is somebody you want to see. And like we'd always settle in to watch a cool new SNL. And like every single time, they'd just disappoint me. <laughs> and I felt the same way about this. I was like, you know, excited to revisit a childhood Maybe not favorite, but something that I thought favorably about. And it was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real mixed bag. So was it better when we were kids? Oh, cast the gritty HBO reboot. I mean. I gave this zero thought. So why don't you talk while I think about it? (laughs) This was really hard. Like, am I trying to cast the Muppets in something else no am I trying to cast I don't know am I trying to cast something that's like a nostalgia thing I don't know I thought of like a cheers where are they now but that would just be really depressing except for Ted Danson (laughs) who's done quite well I think I'm just trying to think if there are any particularly like hard-edged celebrities that you might like to see on a show like Muppets now oh sure like someone who's just known for being particularly foul and I don't know my brain is just like completely shutting down at me um I would enjoy seeing Yeezy interact with some Muppets yeah because like Linda Cardellini and Tay Diggs are like fairly anodyne when they interact I guess you got a little a little sense of danger when you had Danny Trejo uh guesting with the Swedish chef but again who cares about the Swedish chef Gosh, what do we watch now that's like particularly hard-edged? I can't even think. What are we... I guess we're watching Doom Patrol. It would be pretty funny to see the members of Doom Patrol interacting with the Muppets. Yeah. Sandra O. Oh, we've been watching Killing Eve. Oh. She might be good on the Muppets. So was it better when we were kids? This might be a better one for you to answer because you did watch that original Muppets show, like the variety show with the guests. I feel like yeah. the... Muppet movies, the original Muppet movies are just such time capsules that it's hard to judge against this. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be a little long, but my mom had like, I think it was like a pin of Miss Piggy, like a photograph of Miss Piggy. And I think I wanted it. And she was like, no, 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 that's mine. That's to keep me motivated for Weight Watchers. Yeah. Sad face. Katie Curler, you are making a sad face. And like, I just have, I don't know, a lot of like sadness and anger around like what it was like for body positivity in the 80s when I was growing up. There was no body positivity. 
And I think it's a lot better now. Like a puppet or a cartoon character now, I don't think would ever like be. And she wasn't even fat, but I don't know. I just don't think that a character would ever be created with that same negative food shaming that went on with Miss Piggy. Do you think if they did a hard pivot to Miss Piggy as just a really bad singer slash actress that that would kind of modernize her image? Um, I guess I just want Miss Piggy to live like a life where she feels good about herself. I don't want her to, I don't want to see her be bad at anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I want her to find like a nice fellow to settle down with. Can we talk about that relationship segment where she ambushed Kermit? They were on like a group chat talking about relationships. Piggy was trying to air her dirty laundry about what a horrible boyfriend Kermit is. I felt so bad for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and Kermit need to just make a clean break so she can meet somebody else who is going to love her for who she is. Agreed. Yeah, and is going to appreciate her. Because she's great. She was like the reliably funny portion of the show. Yeah, it was funny when she asked RuPaul, is Diva a compliment? <laughs> and he said yes yes it is would you ever watch this alone voluntarily I'm really waffling uh (laughs) I think I would rather I would rather watch like a classic Muppet movie Mm -hmm. but I don't again I don't have a problem watching this with my kids so it's one it's a question that's easy to escape how about you um I probably will not watch this again um, one more question for you. Is Scooter's job like editing our podcast? Is that what you go through? Well, in that on Tuesdays, right before I'm going to post it on our streaming service, you send me like 80 edits and I have to fix it all <laughs> before I put it. Yeah, that's, pr- that's pretty accurate. <laughs> that's not true, guys. Deborah is very kind when she listens to what I've edited. Um yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Um, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. My kids loved it. So of all the things I could be watching with them, I guess I don't have a problem with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine. Fine for kids. Swedish chef, slightly questionable, but. We'll have to see if on the back three episodes, maybe they don't lean so heavily on him. But. Yeah, geez, we do not need it in every episode. We do not really need it in any episode. No, we could do with... I'd watch more Bunsen and Beaker. Yeah, although I really didn't like that first bit they did. It was like an extended joke about Alexa. That felt really stale immediately. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I was thinking of the... I don't know. I liked watching the pizzas land on the side of the building. (laughs) The Pizza Velocity one was great. The first one, not quite so successful. I feel like those jokes about Alexa will be dated. Well, they're dated now. Mm-hmm. Ratings? I guess I'd give it a three. I mean, I have a lot of complaints, but I've definitely watched things that I've liked that have been way harder to get through. Yeah, I would say three and a half. It's so subjective. Like, I, I think this was well done, but it's very subjective like just because I didn't like it didn't mean it was terrible three and a half (laughs) I mean your mileage will vary based on your fondness for the Muppets I suppose if you've really Mm -hmm. been jonesing this will probably do it Mm -hmm. well thanks for listening to this episode of it's my screen time too 
please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can also still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2, or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents.